brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, everybody, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. This Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit atechsports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbin and more on atechsports.com. ATEC, win every practice. Aaron, uh, yesterday's podcast goes into the dustbin of history, the uh, vacuous, not recorded properly dustbin of history here at Baseball America in the podcast nook. Only the uh, books here in the podcast nook and you and I will remember <laughs> what was said in that fabulous podcast yesterday. So was, I apologize to a, you and our listeners. It was the glorious hour-long podcast, too, that uh, we're not going to go nearly that long today, so we apologize in advance. That's right. Uh, I screwed that up, and I'm sorry. But so we're going to look back at the weekend and look look ahead a little bit more than usual in this abbreviated podcast. But, Aaron, let's just hit on some of the high notes uh, from this weekend. I would say the first high note in the Southeastern Conference was the Kentucky Wildcats uh, going on the road and uh, sweeping a doubleheader on Saturday, winning that series against Arkansas. And I guess for all intents and purposes, I guess the biggest takeaway from this is that Kentucky, if you had any doubts about Kentucky, you should probably eliminate those doubts because this team has now shown that it can go on the road against a top-10 caliber team and win a series. And really, what else is left for Kentucky to do to prove itself, Aaron? It seems like the answer is nothing. You're exactly right. I feel the same way. I mean, they're they're legit, you know, and you could continue harboring reservations about them. Uh, you know, for, for some of the SEC schedule, I mean, sure, they swept South Carolina. Okay, it's one weekend, you know, and then they, uh, then they go on the road and win two series against Tennessee and Georgia. And, you know, but those aren't the elite teams in the conference. And, you know, they, they take two or three from Ole Miss. Okay, that's good, but it was at home. And now they've gone on the road, and they've beaten a very good, talented at least, Arkansas team. Um, it's, the resume is impeccable. This team is really good. They're balanced. We've talked about this before. Um, you know, the one area that I kind of highlighted in three strikes yesterday um, that I think is a little bit unsung with Kentucky is how good the bullpen is. You know, we talked about the lineup and the freshmen and, you know, those, those lefties in the rotation. But the lefties in the rotation haven't been as great lately, and the bullpen has really picked them up. You know, they've got some depth back there. They've got a couple of good right-handers, kind of as middle relief uh, bridge-type guys with, with uh, you know, Tim Peterson and now Chandler Shepard, the freshman who's kind of come into his own, and a uh, good lefty and Alex Phillips. All those guys support Trevor Gott. Um, who's a you know really a shut down closer at the back, a power guy throwing 95, you know. So, um, and, and it's nice that they don't have to extend Got like they did last year as a freshman. And I think that took its toll on him as a freshman. He had to go out there and get nine outs. Now he basically gets three outs every time. And, and this past weekend they used him for four. It's the first time all year they've had to extend him more than an inning. So, um, keeping him fresh, I mean, it's it's good for everybody. And it feels like the other separator, as we talked about in the Lost podcast yesterday, is that offensively Kentucky can get itself back in a game with one swing. They're second in the Southeastern Conference in league games in home runs. And just a mature lineup that has a, uh, a freshman igniter at the top of the lineup in Austin Cousineau. But a lineup that up and down has some, some guys with some thump and some guys who are real threats 
where if you make a mistake, they're going to punish you. Exactly right. I think every one of their starters uh, has at least one home run. Um, you know, and and they've even Cousineau has got five. Zellers has four. I mean, those are that's as many as the entire Fullerton team has. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's uh, and and they're not those aren't the leading home runs for hitters for Kentucky. I mean, Luke Maley and Cameron Flynn have nine apiece. So yes, it's it's a the power is a separator, and I think especially now, um, in this this BB core era, I think power stands out because not a lot of teams can hit for power now, uh, and that's why you know it seemed like. Like Florida, that can keep itself in games, even when it's pitching is scuffling like it has a little bit the last three weeks. Um, you know, the, the 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 Gators can can win games with the long ball, and so can Kentucky. And LSU is a program in the SEC, and it's usually associated with the long ball. You've talked all year. But there are several organ several organizations, several college teams this year that are, I guess, the phrase in sports right now is out of character. And that you think of UCLA, you think pitching, you think of LSU, you think power. And UCLA is not a pitching team this year. There's an offensive club. Um, LSU, Aaron, it's not that they're a bad offensive club because you know, they've got some guys who are hitting, but it's not a great offensive club. But really, it seems like uh, they've they've had the arms. We knew they were going to have good arms this year. But you combine some maturity of Kevin Gossman with some better health for Ryan Eads, with the freshman Aaron Nola, stirring a little new pitching coach, Alan Dunn, who's been mostly in pro ball for most of his career, and it equals the Southeastern Conference's best pitching staff right now. Exactly. I think you know the weekend rotation to me is as good as any in college baseball. I probably would rank it number one because I feel like the, the Sunday guy, not a lot of teams have a Sunday guy who's capable of dominating the way Aaron Nola is. Um, you know, and with Florida's rotation not healthy, I think you've got to give the edge to LSU. And I mean, you, you can throw Texas A&M in that mix as well with, with Michael Walker and Ross Stripling and, and Rafael Pineda. But I, I like Nola a little bit more than Stripling, I mean, uh, rather than Pineda on Sunday. So that's a, a little separator. But, yeah, it's, it's a great pitching staff. It's going to be a fun series in Lexington. And, uh, you know, I do think LSU is, has certainly improved offensively over the course of the season. And, and they've got a little spark lately from RB Fields, a junior college transfer from Cyprus who – you know, had a bad fall, wasn't even really a lock to make this team heading into the, the season and, uh, you know, started the year really as a reserve guy. And, and lately he's he's been in the lineup in center field and he's uh, and he's hitting. I think he's uh, something like 10 for his last 22 and, and really giving them a lift. Yeah, I didn't even intend that to be the, the look ahead, but what a great series. Uh, LSU at Kentucky, number four at number three coming up next weekend. Uh, that's a tough one to prognosticate because LSU is the kind of team, Aaron, that it feels like, they could beat anybody, but their offense is a little inconsistent. They could have a weekend where you could shut them down and beat them two to one, three to one, those kind of games. Right. So um, that's going to be a tough one. Does LSU have a lot of? Are they left-handed heavy uh, in the lineup? It feels like they're not. No, I think they're fairly balanced, actually. You know, and and that's that's a good point. I think that uh, you know maybe Kentucky doesn't match up with them as well as. It, as it would with, um, you know, with Arkansas, which I think is more left-handed heavy. But or a team like um, Florida. I mean, Florida's know, got Fontana. Sure. I mean, obviously you have Zanino, but Fontana, Johnson, and Tucker stick out to me as, you know, three of their top hitters or lefty, you know, lefty hitters. Right, and and you look at LSU, their top hitters. I mean, Ray Rimes and Mason Katz are both right-handed hitters, and you know, Austin Nola, um, I believe, is also a right-handed. He is a right-handed hitter, and it's you know, so, I mean, Jones, uh, Hanno, Tyler Hanover, they got a lot of right-handed bats in that lineup. 
Exactly. So, yeah, this seems like on paper, like it's actually a Ty Ross is another one. So it seems like it's, it's a pretty good matchup for LSU. Um, you, you certainly have to give them an edge in the, in the pitching department, especially in, in the, the starting pitching department. Uh, I'd probably give Kentucky the bullpen edge. But, um, you know, the way Kentucky has pitched lately is a little, a little bit of a concern. The way, they've, they've, the way that uh, Taylor Rogers and, and Jerry Grundy have, have scuffled just a little bit. They haven't really gone deep into games the um, last couple of weeks. And so um, you could envision LSU going in there and, and shutting down the Wildcats because I think their pitching is capable of shutting down anyone um, and, uh, you know, and winning that series. Every time, excuse me, every time you say Jerry Grundy, I just want to do a Solomon Grundy impersonation, but I'm exercising <laughs> some restraint. I'm not going to say Jared Grundy smash in my Solomon Grundy voice. So uh, I'm glad to say that the day of lost podcast has given me a little restraint. I'm not going <laughs> to not going to act the fool in our limited amount of time, Aaron. Instead, I think you're I'll make, going up, John. I'm trying to, Aaron. I'm trying. Instead, <laughs> I will uh, make a segue from you know Kentucky, very left-handed leaning pitching staff, and North Carolina, one of the other stories of the weekend, a team that where the matchups really did not go their way against Miami. Very left-handed, heavy pitching staff. Uh, they swept North Carolina last weekend. But now this, this, this most recent weekend, North Carolina goes on the road uh, at Virginia and sweeps a series against a Virginia team that they do have a, a couple left-handers, Kyle Crock out of the bullpen and Silverstein on the weekends. But uh, North Carolina with its own left-hander, Ken Emanuel, going deep on Friday. Uh, another outstanding effort by their Sunday starter, Benton Moss, the freshman who keeps on racking up. It's like every week Benton Moss has six innings, nine strikeouts. Um, but North Carolina yeah. come, bounces back from that uh, Miami sweep, gets back into our top ten at number ten after sweeping the, the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, what's the real North Carolina, the team that uh, – is it just a matter of where that, those left-handed matchups, uh, you know, the North Carolina's margin for error offensively is just so slim, or what do you account for getting swept one, one weekend and sweeping the next? I think that certainly is part of it. Miami is really, you know, it's uh, the worst possible matchup for North Carolina, except for maybe Kentucky uh, with those lefties. But, uh, I mean, it's uh, Miami has a lot of good left-handed pitching. Um, you know, certainly Eric Erickson and, and Stephen Ewing, and, um, you know, those guys really jump about as quality left-handed pitchers with good breaking balls and know how to pitch. And, and uh, you know, they can beat a lot of teams, but especially North Carolina that is, is left-handed heavy. They always have – well, they have been for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, and yeah. – uh, and that's how they build their teams. And so, you know, they're going to be vulnerable against that kind of a team. But especially without Colin Moran, their best hitter, who is left-handed but can hit anyone. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, you chalk it up as a, as a tough road series without your best player. Um, you know, they, they battled in that middle game, but they didn't score a lot of runs in that series. They didn't score a lot of runs in Charlottesville either, but they scored enough to win because they got really outstanding pitching. Um, you know, as you mentioned, the, the starters were very good, and their bullpen has been lights out all year. So interesting series coming up with North Carolina against Georgia Tech, uh, a team that I think is desperate right now. I mean, they're, uh, they're probably ninth in the ACC pecking order. I think they've fallen behind uh, Maryland and Wake Forest, and, and the, uh, they're, they're, those three teams in Virginia Tech are all tied at 7-11 in the conference. Um, you know, they, four teams for two spots in the ACC tournament. But, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is behind those teams in the RPI. Um, and they're not playing as well as those teams, and right now they're outside the field of 64, so they really need this series. You're looking at Georgia Tech got off to a 10-2 and start after they swept Rutgers uh, at the end of the first weekend of March. They are 11-15 uh, and 15 since then, 11-14, and 14, I should say. I mean, it's a, it's a long time 
It's like more than a month here that they've been a below 500 team. Not below average. They're below 500. And they've hit, and they don't hit as much, but their injuries in their lineup are less pronounced than their injuries on the mound where you, you know, you've had Grimes, you've had Luke Barr both go down. Um, you know, Buck Farmer kind of carrying that load, and he's had a great year this year. Um, but really just defensively and just in terms of pitching depth, this team's really struggling. They've really had to you know, throw a lot of the freshmen into the fire. They've kind of found a guy, and, and Alex Cruz has become a real uh, dependable pitcher for them as a two-way guy. But, you know, Cole Pitts and Josh Hedinger and some of these freshmen, and, you know, DeAndre Smelter has been banged up. That's a guy probably had getting a, probably getting a lot of scholarship money, you know, unless he's a Hope scholarship yeah. guy. But he's a pretty heralded recruit. It was a top 100 recruit. When you take a guy yeah. like that and Matt Grimes and Luke Bard, you're not getting any contributions from those guys because of injuries or because they aren't good enough. Uh, that's just going to take a buy out of any team. And I think that, you know, their their issues that we foresaw for them coming into the year, Aaron, where their infield defense was an issue and would Chase Butler, Connor Wynn, Mott High, would those guys be good enough? And so far they haven't been good enough. Pretty much yeah, the and they're fielding line. 955. They're fielding 955 as a team. That's not going to get it done uh, when, you know, especially when your pitching staff is struggling. You need to play good defense to pick those guys up, and they haven't been able to do it consistently. And to get offense, they're going to play Daniel Palka and Jake Davies, and those guys are first-base DH types. But to get them both in the lineup sometimes, yeah. and one of them is going to be in right field. So you just, you're, you're already sacrificing defense a little bit if you're Georgia Tech. Then you're going to be sacrificing a little bit because Sam Dove, he's a good athlete. He's played the outfield mostly in his career. This year he's in the infield, and he's fine, but he's not a plus defender. But you got to get his bat in the lineup. So you're already sacrificing defense in some spots. I, I think Georgia Tech's in real trouble. I don't. I don't think they're going to make regionals this year. And it's you know the schedule looking going forward is is not easy. Now they're right. at North Carolina. Then they've got Clemson at home, which you know is just as good as Georgia Tech. Neither of those teams is great. Uh, then you've got at Virginia and Miami at home. I mean, it's four tough ACC series remaining, uh, along with the non-conference series against Charlotte. So, uh, I mean, it's it's not going to be easy. And and frankly, I just don't know if they're good enough to you know to to recover from this. That's a great way to put it. It's not easy, and right now, especially as they're currently constructed, they're probably not good enough to overcome that. So, real obstacles in front of the Yellow Jackets uh, in a very muddled ACC, like we've talked about. Yeah, Florida State, obviously, still our number one team. Didn't have a great week. Did what they needed to do. Won a conference series on the road at Boston College. You'd probably rather see them sweep. You'd rather see them do better in their midweek series against the Gators. But you know, throughout the year, their, their midweek one game they play. But not hard to drop a team out of the number one spot when they win their weekend series in the league on the road. Uh, so yeah. you have Florida State. You have North Carolina and Miami tied. Obviously, uh, you know Miami gets kind of the, the tie break there for having – so up the series, but body of work, I think we both feel North Carolina's body of work has been better, correct? Yes, no doubt for me. No and then, doubt. And then NC State's right there uh, at 11-7 and seven in the fourth spot in that league, and the rest of it's really kind of up for grabs. I mean, your guess is as good as mine as who the fifth best team in, is going to be in the ACC when it's all said and done. I, I'm going to guess, Aaron, that your vote there would be Clemson. Mine would be or, – or would you vote for Virginia? Mine would be Virginia. I would I would. Vote for Virginia also. I think Clemson is pretty flawed, and I don't think Virginia is a great team, but yep. um, I, I like them better than Clemson. I think both those teams are not quite as good as we thought they would be. I see a little bit more room mm. for growth for Virginia. They have pitched well. They really kind of got shut down offensively by North Carolina's pitching this weekend, but you know, North Carolina's got the potential to do that to any team. So yeah. Um, yeah. I like the Cavaliers' talent. 
I think I, we'd both like them a little bit better if Whit Mayberry were in their rotation and not getting ready for Tommy John surgery if he didn't already have it. Right. That's a tough blow. Yeah, it was a big blow for them. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Uh, Aaron, also in our top 25, one of the big movers uh, was Baylor. And I guess you're going to kind of move up the rankings when you win 19 games in a row and you start 15-0 and 0 in, in the league. But it feels like, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Baylor, it does feel like this is as much a product of the weakness of the Big 12 as it is the strength of Baylor. But winning 15 games in a row is 15 games in a row no matter what league you're in. Exactly. And, you know, I had someone ask me in the chat yesterday, have I, have I ever seen a team get on a roll like, like Baylor is? And, yeah, you know, I mean, every year somebody has one of these long winning streaks, you know, whether it's uh, South Carolina at the end of the year last year winning 10 in a row to win the national championship against good NCAA tournament teams. Right. Uh, or if it's, you know, if it's LSU winning 23 straight back in 2008 or, you know, I mean, every year Texas and that incredible long streak that they had, uh, they won, they swept five straight Big 12 series uh, back in, uh, I think, 2010, and it was a much stronger Big 12 then. So, um, you know, I, I don't think this, this – this, certainly this is not an unprecedented streak for Baylor, but it's, it's a good streak. I mean, hey, you're, they're winning the games in front of them. Uh, they're really taking advantage of a poor – Big 12 conference, but that's, you know, not everybody, uh, you can't go out and win every single game. It's, it's hard to do that. And, and they've done it different ways. They mostly done it with, with pitching, but they've, you know, their bats have been pretty good. And, and especially this past weekend, of course, they took advantage of uh, offensive conditions in Kansas state and slugged their way past the Wildcats and a couple of comeback victories there on Sunday. And, uh, you know, this team we've talked about it before, I think they've got some balance. They've got a little bit of power in the middle there. Josh Ludi had three home runs on Sunday. Uh, they got a walk-off or a game-winning rather home run from Michael Howard in one of those games. The freshman, his first home run. Uh, you know, Max Muncy we know is physical, and uh, you know I think it's it's a it's a quality lineup that grinds you up and down, and uh, you know it's not not loaded with prospects, but uh, you know I do think Max Muncy and Logan Vick are prospects. Uh, they're just you know maybe not elite guys, but but Muncy especially can really hit. You know I think he's. Uh, um, you know, and, and Vic, I mean, I, I like both those guys. I think they're talented players and, and they fit nicely into this lineup. Um, but on the mound, you know, Josh Turley is a guy that, uh, you know, when he came in with, with Muncie and Vic three years ago, they were really excited about him. They thought he could be that competitive, you know, Friday guy, the, the just left-hander who goes out there and grinds you and, and, you know, wears you down. I mean, he can, you know, how to locate, he, he mixes speeds and locations. He's not overpowering, but, um, they've won all nine of his starts this year. You know, and he's got a 2.02 ERA, so he's doing something right. And then you got Trent Blank behind him, who's 8-0, you know, 2.48 ERA, and and a guy that has really found success this year, um, dropping his arm slot down. Uh, it was the idea of, of Trevor Moat, the volunteer assistant, to start the year, who's kind of moved up to a full-time job now that Mitch Thompson is gone and has um, kind of taken ownership over that pitching staff and done a really good job with it. Yeah, they've really they've pitched very well, and that's been a, a trademark, kind of a hallmark of that program over the years. But uh, you know, they've been uh, they're just a little bit more of a grinded out team now than they uh, than they have been in the past. It feels like a a, le- a more substantive, more more substance than style team, and that's not always been the case really with uh, uh, with Baylor. So I think they deserve right. credit for for grinding some things out. Um, the other thing, I guess, in the Big Twelve, we probably should touch on Aaron is just the I guess is Oklahoma back? Is Oklahoma, if anyone, you wrote a couple weeks ago, if anyone was going to be, if the, if the Big 12 was going to have four teams in uh, regional play, we gave a slight edge to Missouri, to Missouri at that time, but they've hmm. gotten swept by Baylor and then swept by Oklahoma. So the Tigers right. are out. 
but it seems like Oklahoma with its RPI back in the excuse me, back in the 60 range, and then uh, you know getting a big win midweek last week against Arkansas, feels like Oklahoma is getting itself back into the conversation. No question. And in, in, in today's um, stock report, I'm going to have Oklahoma in the field. You know, they actually leapt from number 93 to number 58 in the RPI in the span of a week. Um, and you know, they've got a very favorable, I think, easy remaining schedule left with only one series left against a team inside the top 100, and that's home series against Baylor, which, you know, I mean, if you're going to play Baylor, you know, it's, a, it's good to have them at home. That's a winnable series for Oklahoma. Uh, but the rest of their games are, are very winnable, and, and, you know, if they can, if they can go 14-6 and six or 16-4 or and four down the stretch, which I think they can, um, they're certainly going to be in the field, I think. Yeah, it feels like they almost have to. With the, those are going to be some RPI right. killers in, yep, their, you're right. in, in so, their schedule. They still have Alabama State coming up this weekend. It's the number 263 team in the RPI for three games. That hurts. And then Kansas is number 170. Um, I mean, these are these are not good RPI games, but there are very winnable games. And if they win them, again, I don't think there's much of a margin for error, but they have to win at least 14 or 15 of those, I think, to have a chance. But I think they could easily win 16 of those. Well, I'll tell you, I just talked to a, a couple of SWAC coaches today. And Alabama State is getting there, but it's not there yet under Mervo Melendez. So that's a series they probably should sweep. Uh, there's, I don't think there's a question about that. As the baseball mayor, and, and if they don't, I think it's really going to hurt them. Uh, it's the Baseball yeah. America podcast with John and Aaron. And of course, Aaron's the guy you really want to hear. Aaron, a couple other t- uh, tidbits from around the country. It's a pretty active week in the big in the Pac-12. We could talk a lot about the Pac-12. We did yesterday. Well, Melinda Silence for yesterday's <laughs> podcast. But Oregon into the top ten, Aaron, and the Ducks, they're playing Duck Baseball, which I think is always funny to read that. They're playing Duck Baseball. Um, But I guess really Duck Baseball this year means they're pitching just enough and they're hitting just enough. And in the league, uh, here with the team going and winning that series against Stanford, this is a team not to be trifled with in in conference play. I guess they have one series loss. But otherwise, they've been pretty consistent all year about dominating on weekends. And then this week – a five-game week, and they they won two games in midweek as well. Uh, what do the Ducks owe? Uh, well, what defines Duck baseball this year, and why is that uh, a number eight team in the country? It's it's pretty remarkable, you know, what they've done. I think with their personnel, because yes, they are an improved offensive team. There's no question about that. You know, they've got a little bit of uh, a muscle in the middle of the lineup now with Aaron Jones and Ryan Healy, and um, you know, and they and they again they grind you out. You know, one through nine, they put together a lot of quality at bats, but they're still hitting 258 as a team. You know, so it's it's not a great offensive team by any means, um, but they play really good defense. I love the two guys in the middle. J.J. Altabelli is a, a fun player to watch at shortstop. He's made that transition from third base very effectively. Got a strong arm, makes every play. Uh, great player. And then uh, Aaron Payne next to him, former George Horton bat boy at Cal State Fullerton. Um, you know, as, a, as another kind of, one of those blue collar guys that uh, he's not putting up big numbers or anything, but he's really solid second baseman. And, uh, you know, we all know how important it is to be strong up the middle. Uh, and they are. And of course, you know, on the mound, that, that's their strength. Alex Cadell, you know, that crafty senior who uh, goes out there and, you know, just knows how to win. Um, again, not overpowering stuff. 
Jake Reed, the freshman, the guy that I really liked last year coming out of high school in California for the draft. Uh, had him in the top 200, and uh, you know he's he's rewarded that. He, he wasn't drafted real good last year because he was he wanted to go to college, uh, but uh, he's he's showing why we, he was regarded so highly by scouts. He just uh, you know like Cadell, he, he knows how to pitch. He's got advanced feel, but he's got a lot of life on the fastball. Uh, you know, good three pitch mix. Um, you know, just I think the guy's got a really bright future ahead of him, and. And then, you know, Brando Tessar has been a pretty good Sunday guy. He's struggled the last two weeks. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a deep bullpen. You know, they really, really are relying upon Jimmy Scherfe back there. But, you know, they've, they've got some left-handers now, too. I mean, that's one, one way they are able to beat UCLA. It was able to roll Tommy Thorpe out there. And, you know, they even used Billy Flamian on the mound a little bit um, when they needed to. I mean, they, they've got some options. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, to me, the fact that they're, they're going in, you know, and winning midweek games like this, this week, you mentioned beating San Francisco twice midweek. Um, you know, that's that's impressive because this team isn't really constructed to do that. They don't have a lot of pitching depth. We talked about this before. They had three major injuries early in the year, um, and uh, and it's left them thin. So uh, it's an incredible coaching job. I mean, I I think their their resume right now is worthy of a national seed. After the last three weeks at UCLA, at Stanford, sweeping Arizona State at home. I mean, that's that's loud. Out. Um, will they keep it up? You know the the schedule going forward. You got Washington State, you got Cal, both at home, both winnable series. Um, you know Gonzaga on the road will actually be a, a nice challenge. Gonzaga is a, a good ball club. It's uh, heck they, they're in the hosting discussion right now. And, and yep. you know I mean it, it's it, the schedule is, is probably manageable for Oregon. Um, I, I'm still not necessarily a believer that they're an Omaha team, despite the success that they've had, but they're they're dramatically improved, and it's a great story. Yeah, to me, uh, their schedule is pretty great. They've only got only one really big road trip left. I mean, yes, they have to go to Oregon, uh, to Oregon State, and I believe they go to Gonzaga. But in terms of you know long road trips, where the travel is really going to be a big issue for them, and that's I think that's a factor when you're talking about a team in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the only one that you're really looking at that's a problem is, is at Arizona. And they've already shown they can win yeah. on the road, and that you know, to me, the toughest part of their of their season is in the past. Um, it doesn't mean that the rest of the season isn't going to be challenging. And you know, going to Arizona is tough, but their toughest road trip—they just played UCLA and Stanford back to back on the road. It's not going to get a lot tougher than that for Oregon. So yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I think you have to look at that. It's uh, a pretty big factor. Who do you like going forward, though? UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona tied at the top of the Pac-12. Uh, the Bruins just went on the road and won this series at Arizona. Uh, if you had to, ha- if you're handicapping that league the rest of the way, I'm not discounting Stanford, but at five and seven, they're a little bit further back in the pack. It's only two in the loss column, I understand. But uh, who's your pick going forward uh, to win the Pac-12? Oh man, you know, I, somebody asked this in the chat yesterday, and I didn't even know what to say. I, it, it's just so hard to pick because, you know. There's some good teams at the top, and they're beating each other. And right now, Oregon's the only team that, that seems to be beating all of them. I mean, Oregon only has one series lost this year. Is at Washington, interestingly enough. But uh, you know, Washington's improved. They're, 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 they don't get swept. They won a game against Stanford, and uh, I think they won a game against Cal. You know, so uh, Washington is, is a better team. But um, at the top of the league, I'm, I'm just kind of dancing around this because I don't want to answer it. Cause I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, I think all those teams are are good. I think they're all flawed too. You know, I'm, I'm picking Oregon, Oregon just because of the schedule. <laughs> you know, I really yeah. like that schedule for them. 
that travel schedule I think makes a big difference to me. I'm a little bit wary of Arizona because they, while their their road trips are manageable at UW, at Cal, at Southern Cal, you know, um, they've really not played a lot away from home. And when they have played away from home, they haven't been great. Uh, they did win the series at Oregon State, but they also didn't sweep Utah, and they split with Rice. And that's the only road game they've played all year. So to me, yeah, that lack of familiarity with the road, I think, is going to come back and bite the uh, the Wildcats uh, at season's end. It's it's possible. It really is. I mean, for me, I'm just concerned about Arizona's pitching depth. Again, the pitching depth issue. I mean, um, they have got two really good starters, and Connor Wade has been a little up and down, actually. But, I mean, he's a nice workhorse guy. Uh, and then James Ferris has scuffled on Sundays uh, of late. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they've got the depth to cover their, their shortcomings on the mound. And that's one reason they've struggled a little bit midweek. You know, they, they, swept, they were swept in those two games at home by New Mexico State midweek um they just they lost to utah valley midweek last week uh they uh that's a that's a little bit of an issue for me you know and and i like their offense i think they're athletic i i think they need to play better defense on the left side of the infield uh they've got experienced upperclassmen over there alex mejia and seth mejia spreen they need to make less errors it's that simple you know they, they need to be more consistent yeah catch the ball be efficient on defense it's a it's easy it's easy to say it's hard for college teams to do consistently which you can agree with it or disagree with it all you want. That's why teams bunt in college. Just I'm just letting you know, they bunt because college teams are not good at defense, and that's right. It's really the bottom line, and uh, it makes uh, it makes more sense to bunt at the amateur level than it does at the pro level. I hope people understand that. If you take one takeaway from this podcast, please let that be the takeaway. Um, Aaron, <laughs> a couple of sleepers that are in our top 25. I mean national sleepers, Omaha sleepers. I want to touch on both those teams, and we'll wrap up the podcast. First, San Diego, because we talk about the West, we've talked about the West Coast Conference. At one point, that got lost in yesterday's podcast was the WCC versus the Big West, and just how down the Big West is, and how talented and deep the West Coast Conference is. You just did a uh, first off, is San Diego a, a legitimate Omaha threat? And secondly, um, to how many teams? Will the West Coast Conference get slash should the West Coast Conference get into the regionals? Well, to answer the first question, you know, I think San Diego um, is dangerous. I, I like um, – I think they're they're balanced. You know, they've got star power, which is something that is – you're talking about the Big West is severely lacking in the Big West. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's very, very encouraging that Dylan Covey now has had three straight very good starts on Sundays. Um, you know, they've got a guy that they like at the top of the rotation with Calvin Drummond, who hasn't been second year in a row. He's a little faded a little bit as far as his stuff after a really strong start. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a nice Friday guy. You know, he's, uh, he's experienced now. He's been around. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly they've, they've got uh, Paul Seawald in the middle there, a nice left-hander who's competitive. Um, they've got a good bullpen with a national saves leader and Tyler uh, Wagner, who's who's really a, a power guy and is having a, a fantastic year for them. Um, it's a pretty good pitching staff, and and of course they've got Chris Bryant in the middle. I think one of the best players in college baseball. You know, just a guy who who does everything. Um, so you know, and then they're they're really really much improved offensively. I mean, give Jay Johnson, the hitting coach, some credit, and um, you know they've got some depth in that lineup now. And uh, the one concern I have with San Diego is is the infield defense. It's really been a problem for them. Um, and that's probably why I would say that I don't think they're an Omaha team. Um, I think you got to play good defense against Omaha generally. You know, there's I'm sure there are exceptions here and there, but um, you know, 
that's uh, that's a concern and something they're still trying to figure out. But uh, I, I think the the West Coast Conference gets two teams comfortably in uh, with San Diego Gonzaga, and and I think they have a pretty good chance to get a third in as well with Pepperdine, who's still pretty strong in the RPI, had that really nice non-conference schedule, and uh, um, you know they're they're in the middle of the pack in the standings. But if they can make a little bit more headway there, I think they'll be in really good shape for an at-large. And lastly, Purdue, Aaron. I think I know this will be part of uh, you know part of your uh, stock report this week. But you know, Purdue not necessarily pulling away from the whole league. They still have to go to Nebraska this weekend. That's going to be a challenge. Darren Erstad has the the Huskers playing well and playing tough, playing competitively. But Purdue's kind of taken on all comers, with the exception of the the losses at Wichita State. They've basically done everything you could ask them to do, even a little bit more, such as beating Louisville, um, sweeping series in the road. This weekend they sweep Illinois, which you know almost won a regional last year. Was a very competitive team, an athletic team. They're going to Purdue's going to go to UCLA later this year. Uh, how much? How how good is Purdue? How are they doing this? And how realistic is it that Purdue hosts a regional and 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 you know could be a big ten, the first Big Ten team to get to Omaha since the you know, the Michigan uh, heyday of the mid-'80s? I think they're really good. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about how good their offense is, and we've kind of viewed them as an offensive team. You know, they've got those two mashers in the middle with Cameron Perkins and Kevin Plawecki, and you know, Eric Charles is a, uh, you know, a really dynamic player for them who gets on base and, and makes things happen. And um, you know, The lineup is deep. They're hitting 325 as a team. Um, but they've been doing it with pitching lately. You know, the last – Two weeks or so, they've they've won uh, what eight straight games, seven straight games, and they've allowed a run and a half per game during that stretch, you know, and and it, they've done it without the best arm on the staff, who's out for the year with you know uh, Nick Schreiber with uh, with I believe Tommy John surgery, so um, it's not overpowering guys on the mound, uh, but Joe Hayes is is a you know he's kind of in that uh, Alex Cadell mold, you know, uh, mix and match, you know, competitive veteran right hand. Hander, um, not not big stuff, and neither does, does Lance Breedlove. But um, now they've got a freshman who's kind of stepped forward on Sundays with Connor Podkol, um, who's who's got probably the best arm out of these guys, uh, the most upside. But uh, the last two weeks he's he's pitched very well for them on Sundays. Uh, I think it's given them a lift. And of course you got a, a great power closer at the back with Nick, Nick Whitgren and um, some nice pieces in the middle to get to him. And uh, I think it's. Compl- Complete team, I really do. I think they're probably going to host a regional. Uh, they're number ten in the RPI, um, and uh, you know they're they're really taking care of business in their conference. Um, we know that the committee likes to reward cold weather teams that put together strong resumes with hosts. Uh, they're not going to host probably almost certainly on campus. They're they're building a new ballpark. Sounds like it's not going to be ready in all likelihood. There's an outside chance, very remote though. Uh, but you know I think Gary, uh, Indiana is an option. Uh, I think Fort Rail Wayne is cats. an option. There you go, the Railcats. So they've, they've got some options, and, and I think I think they'll I think they'll find a way to host because um, this is a rare opportunity for Purdue baseball, and and I think they have to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a matter of, if not now, when? If not us, who? You know, uh, it really has to be yeah. Purdue for a Big Ten team to host. When's the last, uh, you say you had Michigan in 2007, came within a, a hair of getting to Omaha, uh, won a regional at Vanderbilt, but, and, and I guess they've hosted a uh, super regional, correct? And they host, oh, no, they went to Oregon State. Well, it was, it was uh, the following year, I think it was 2008, they hosted did a regional as two seed with Arizona as the one up there and, and Kentucky is the three is a really tough regional. That's right. Uh, and they, and they, and they had, uh, 
I think they had an injury right before that, if I recall, to one of their their was it Chris Fetter maybe got hurt or Putnam one of their big Fetter, arms got hurt. Fetter. I'm, I, I, I may yeah. have also and there may have also been an elbow injury to Nate Recknagel. Uh, it was Recknagel. You're exactly right. It was Recknagel who was hurt. I'm I'm anyway, enjoying the, all these Midwestern names. Um, <laughs> not as much as uh, Purdue. I mean, Purdue's team is a cornucopia of great names. I mean, some of the names you just threw out there. Ploiecki is a great name. Angelo Cianfraco is about as good as it gets. Lance Breedlove is just loving the fact that there are all these ridiculous other names on his team, like Nick Whitgren and Connor Podkull. I mean, come on. These are these <laughs> names make make Quintavious Drains blush. So uh, It's, it's almost, it's almost Baylor-esque, isn't it, with the names? <laughs> it is almost well played. It is almost. Uh, where's Joey, Haines, Joey Hainsfurther and late 90s uh, Baylor infielder Preston Underdown sneeze at these uh, at these Purdue names. I don't think you can do much better than Preston Underdown. That's a tremendous name. I think Preston Underdown was required to wear a sweater vest underneath his jersey with a name like Preston Underdown. Uh, although We're getting loopy in the Baseball America podcast. It's really like the 98th or 100th minute of the college podcast, considering uh, we lost yesterday's podcast. But Aaron... Uh, Great stuff. We're going to cut the podcast short because we did uh, record all of one yesterday, and we have other things to do with our jobs and our lives, uh, such as uh, cover college baseball and cover the draft. Um, but we do want to thank everybody for the po- for, for listening to the podcast. Aaron, where will you be this weekend? I am going to see uh, Martin Augusta of, of St. Mary's, who's in town uh, um, in San Diego this weekend, and uh, try, try to get a look at Mitch Hanniger as well for Cal Poly. Uh, they're they're going to be in my area, so um, you know, work, working on some draft stuff this time of year. Try to um, you know see as many Southern California players as I can, in addition to the the usual college responsibilities. So it's uh, it's that time of year. Yeah, and Cal Poly uh, kind of stumbled this weekend in the Big West. We're talking about contrasting them to the West Coast Conference, the Big West, looking like a one maybe two bid league. Uh, whether Cal Poly can rally or or Long Beach State, which is tied with uh, Fulton, maybe win the win the the, the league regular season. I'm going to try to get up to, uh, to uh, Ryan Johnson's old digs at uh, Wake Forest and see a, kind of a loser-goes-home goes match on the ACC of Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. We'll see if we can uh, make that happen. But uh, uh, next week's podcast, we'll do it on a Monday. We'll do it upright. We'll do it long. And we'll remind you that the Baseball America College podcast is sponsored by ATEC, the baseball training machine company. At ATEC, we're committed to delivering tools to coaches to help train and develop players. Visit ATechSports.com to learn about training machines that can help make your practice more effective and efficient. See training tips and practice drills from Vanderbilt head coach Tim Corbett and more on ATechSports.com. ATech win every practice. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. So long, everybody.